Today's episode is sponsored by Golf Giveaway UK. Head over to www.golfgiveawayuk and enter all of their competitions, but more importantly, enter the free appear on giveaway that we've teamed up with them to bring you £225 worth of appear on gear. One person out of 300 will win it for free. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Bogey Boys podcast. You're joined here by Kevin and Mark. This is season three, episode seven. Because episode six was Rick Sessenhouse, Colin Morikawa's golf coach. If you haven't checked out that episode, please go and do so. What are we calling this one, Kevin? Live. Is live living in the rent free in the PJ Tours heads? <laughs> <laughs> Referencing there to the new 2024 schedule announcement by the PJ Tour last week, which was big news, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Like, especially considering you know what's been said about live over these no, last year, two court, years. It's not a golf tournament if you haven't got a cut. Should you get world ranking points if there's no cut there? And now, you know, PJ Tour are going to be heavily waiting world ranking point at these designated tournaments from 2024 so it's going to be an interesting discussion before we get into that though i want to talk about my debut at the alliance i was going to say that we haven't played any golf but i forgot you uh oh i'm back you haven't played didn't you i did yeah i did i played in the alliance event with uh keelan crawford pro oh, yeah just turned pro the new appearer athlete nice yeah so yeah. Left under. Our first left hand, yeah. I don't know what we're gonna do with golf gloves there to buy some more, won't we? Yeah. Um but yeah, no, Keen, great, great golfer, turned professional off plus four. Uh, that was his first official professional tournament, I believe. What did he shoot? Um he shot two over or yeah. one over, but he was he was nursing a I don't know what won the individual, you know. A forty one points won the team event. We had thirty seven. The slats play? Yeah, slats played, yeah. Hayden was there, seen Hayden before we teed off. Right, yeah. Slats usually cl- cleans up them, them events. Does he? Well, shoots five under for fun, like <laughs> so. Like you'd like to think so. Yeah, we played with um, Connor Win Stanley and Alex, Alex the pro, and Connor. They had thirty-five points, so we took the money off them. And thank you very much. Did you? We did. Yeah, it was interesting though because we were one ahead going down eighteen. Um, Keelan made the par, so Alex needs to chip in from just off the green. So he went for it, got a bit aggressive. And um, last time they played, they got 35 points. And Alex had like a three and a half footer for 36 points to win. And Connor said, this is to beat 35 we got last time. So otherwise we're going to have 35, 35. So obviously Alex missed it, didn't he? Did he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is he the same on the course as he is on his YouTube channel? Is like really like moaning and like angry at himself all the time? Was um, he all right? No, he was all right. We just had a laugh, basically. Yeah, it was. Um, it was a good fun. To be honest, I've not first time I played with Alex. Played with Connor a few times. And obviously, first time I've played and, and met Keelan as well. And yeah, um, do you know we hit it very well off the tee, Alex. To be fair to him, goes a, he, yeah. goes a long the way. Swing's yeah. unreal, isn't it? Yeah, he does hit the ball well. Yeah, I think if he 
put a bit of practice in. He could get, he could get good, but he's too busy carrying Paul Warren's bag, isn't he? Not a bad job pounds. to have. Not a bad job to have, is it? But no, it was enjoyable. Played at Homescape Golf Club. There was a couple of temporary greens still, obviously protecting the course for the summer. I don't know if they've got some big events coming up, um, but the course is in great condition considering the time of year we played it. Obviously, the temporary greens don't help, do they, when you're putting on fairways? But um, other than that. Really enjoyable. The weather was fine. No wind, scorable conditions, really. But it's a tough track because you've played Ormscape before. No, I've never played it. Oh, have you not played no, it? No, 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 no. Just so tight. Trees everywhere. It's like not good for me looking down. Yeah. It's like looking down the thread of a needle for me. That's it's funny. First tee shot, I just thought, right, let the three wood off the tee. I played one of my little snap hookers. It hit the, <laughs> it hit the wall on the left-hand side and bounced right back into the middle of the fairway. I had like 204 to the pin. I had the four iron of my life to about 25 foot and made a four. Did you? Yeah. yeah. Why, the, what, what's over the wall, OB? Yeah, it's just onto the road, yeah. It, uh-huh. it's, it, it runs parallel to the road on the left-hand side. And then the second hole, loads of trees down the left-hand side and the right-hand side. It's very tree-lined. So, you know, if, you, if you're off line as much as I'm off line, it's very easy to lose a golf Is ball. It, but yeah. I didn't play that bad, to be fair. I, I, I struggled off the tee. But it was funny because Alex was, I made a few, no way I normally make solid putts for pars. Like there was a few solid putts for bogey. Like, was it what, like yeah, 25 foot? Like 25 like... footers for bogey <laughs> and stuff. So where I just like knocked it into the, especially just at this, obviously part the first, that was okay. The second though, I think, if I can remember, I might get the holes mixed up, mixed up here just because I've, I've not that familiar with the course. But in the second hole, I put it in the trees, chipped it out. Then knocked it short of the green at about 40 yards in and then got up and down for a bogey. Um, standardised. Standardised, yeah. And like, it was funny because I was like, well, that's why I'm a bogey, but you know, I'm just not going <laughs> to make a bogey. But there was a couple of times and there was one hole that I knocked it in. It was for a five for two points because I got the shot. And obviously when we were going down 18, I was like, that put went, went quite a bit now because we went down 18, one ahead of them. Obviously ended up winning by two in the end, but no, good bit of fun. The great them events, aren't they, to be fair? Yeah, do you know what? They're well run and like everyone knows where they're at and it's like the pro-am format. You've got the individual. It's it's the good little warmer up as aren't they, for the season. Like I obviously won one of them, didn't I? No. <laughs> Fucking hell. I sound like Carl Frost, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me. Yeah, but no, but you, you'd be but, proud of me as well. I added the cards in. Nice. That's 18 cards, six counting. So two more cards in for the twenty. 20 with the eight counting and then you'll be up to 10 or whatever the real handicap comes into play there 5.5 my handicap is exact so we'll see so but if, you know if what you the game's a, not if you don't have a couple of good cards that's what you will add three in it that's what will happen to your handicap if you haven't got enough cards they knock three off you so it should be eight i think eight's reason i think eight's okay well, 5.56 in it, so you're nine, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> like, Listen, if you want to give me, if you want to play off scratch and you want to give me a shot to hold. Two, mate. Okay. Yeah, you're struggling, aren't you? Yeah. We're back to being the bogey boys, it's which good. is... It's nicer, isn't it? It's great, yeah. All the open it. qualifying bollocks. Like, yeah, forget that. that. What were you up to there? <laughs> Taking golf serious, man. Started a go, didn't I, for Absolute a minute? helmet, mate. Oh, my God. I Honestly, I've been to be in for a lesson with David today, but at the pod duty call, so I'm in tomorrow at 11 o'clock. Finally getting your priorities in order. But like I've had I, I had a couple of went to do because it's David's wedding on the first of July. I went for a suit fitting just to see what suits we were obviously going to wear and colour, and they were going to go for something to eat and a few pints. But me and Lee met before, but earlier, 
and I'd like two pints or three pints when I had a look around and I'd like two more pints. So obviously with the few hours shopping in the, in the middle, like I was still a little bit Wait. wonky, do you know what I mean? And yeah. then Dave started giving it the big and so I just said, right, 50 pounds around in me versus you. And he just bit me hand off with that offer. <laughs> what, scratch? No, well, obviously handicapping it. But I said, I'll take, I said, I'm only going to take half a set. And he's like, I want you to take it seriously. You can't be taking half a set. And I was like, well, stop it, you and half a set. 50 quid, let's have it. <laughs> and then uh, so when I got to, I got told it was 50 quid, like I, I don't fully remember it, me saying 50 quid, but 50 quid it is, whatever. One fifty. sure it was only five pints if you can't remember conversations. It's just, it was because it was like a long day and I had net and then three pints and then like probably, probably three, yeah, probably six pints maybe. Yeah. That's a 10 pint to that. Yeah, no, it was it was definitely under double figures. Like we we'll go for nine, like my <laughs> like <handicap>. your handicap. <laughs> <laughs> well done, right? If you haven't played golf, then on to some golf news. We might as well start at the announcement for the new PGA 2024 schedule. Unless you've got something else. The only you? thing I've got is I seen a mental shot on Instagram in okay. the New Zealand Open, an Australian golfer called Shay Wool's Cobb. And he's in the rough. He's got like a pitching wedge and he hits this shot and two balls fly out. One flies down by the green and one just shoots straight right. And like, he's like bewildered at the fact of what, what has just gone on. And there must have been a ball embedded though, like because it, 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 in the thick rough. He's obviously clipped two of them. But when I was reading, it was saying like, just because of the rules change now, whatever the rule change is for hitting another ball, it must have changed. So if that had happened, before the changes, he would have been penalised for that. And it's like, it's just so what, a bit unfair, the ball? I think you get a for it in the wrong ball. No, but it's changed now, so he doesn't get penalised. No, but he, had to, he didn't get to replay it. Or not. He, had to just go and, he just got to play his ball as normal. They should replay the shot, surely. Yeah, well, that's another topic of discussion. Like, but It's good that they've changed the rules so you don't get penalised, but surely you've got to replay the shot. Yeah, because if his ball was the other one, that went further into the thick cabbage and the out of the ball luckily was his went down by the green oh it was gone by the green you take it don't you well yeah like, you do but as you say if it was the other oh, yeah. hand then yeah, yeah. what you do like I thought that I thought his ball had split in half <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happens there like but I honestly thought it had yeah. but yeah that was the only bit of golf news I'd sort of seen apart yeah. from the what you the want big stuff. to get into now yeah well obviously the PJ Tour last week announced the schedule for 2024 we obviously knew news that the fall season was coming to an end, so there's no more fall events. That's normally so it's where calendar. The, so it's calendar, yeah. So that's normally where the the corn ferry graduates take advantage while the top players have time off. That was what it was always known for, giving them an advantage. And there was a bit of umming and on about a disadvantage to the top players who were behind on FedEx points and they've got to catch up, etc. So they made some changes based on that. Um and now they've got a new plan. There's going to be 16 designated tournaments. So this year, they've announced the tournaments designated with the high purses, guaranteed money, etc. But full field and obviously cuts involved. They just announced an increased purse, basically, yeah. and a guarantee of getting those getting those top players together more regularly. So now they've gone a step further with it. You obviously got the four majors. You got the players' championship and the three FedEx Cup playoff which make up eight of the 16. And then you've got another eight selected tournaments, which have not been announced. Um, there's some rumours about what they will be. Um, but basically, some of these additional events are going to have limited fields of 70 to 80 players. 
with a guarantee for all the players to play all four rounds because there's going to be no cut uh, and there's going to be purses of 20 million or more. Again, sound that's familiar. not being announced. Yeah, sound familiar? Well, that's what uh, Richard Bland said. And, and we'll come on to some of the reaction from the players in a moment. We've got some quotes here, but basically, um, field size changes won't apply to the players, the majors, and the FedEx, as you'd expect. The FedEx is set based on a criteria anyway, isn't it? Yeah. And it is reduced field. So it's only going to be relevant to the eight designated tournaments. And again, not sure it'll be all of them. We're just waiting to hear additional news. I know there's a players meeting at the players this week, so maybe they'll get some feedback off the back of that announcement and, and there'll be more to come. Jay Monaghan normally does a press conference at this event, doesn't he? Yeah. So be interesting to see see what comes of that. But um, the criteria of what's been set for these limited fields is going to be the top 50 as of the BMW Championship playoffs. So um, whoever makes the top 50 this year in the FedEx will, will qualify um pj tour members in the top 30 in the world rankings so they have to be pj tour members and be in the top 30 they've made that clear because obviously you've got your cam smith who's still in the top 30 and he's not a pj tour member anymore then there'll be five spots given to players based on their performances in non-designated events so we've mentioned there there's going to be a separation of 16 tournaments so anything else in that calendar year because obviously the fall's gone now Anything else from the January through to the end of the season that's not a designated event. Uh, five players will get spots, so sort of going for like mini, there'll be like mini playoffs to see you yeah. get into each of those events. Um, any players that are in the top 10 of the FedEx rankings that are not already exempt will qualify. And then there'll be four spots for a sponsor's exemption for PJ Tour members only. So obviously catering for. The goat Tiger Woods, if he wants yeah. to play in any of them, there's there's an opportunity for him. Them sponsors invites are just gonna come like they usually do with like whoever's sponsored by a certain event. Of, no, or a certain company like American Express, they get in or the you know what I mean, they're sponsored by but they have to be PJ Tour members, so that's an important point to that, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So you couldn't just invite somebody who's not a PJ Tour member. So it is sort of closing the shop to these events being just solely for PJ Tour members. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of a lot of money at stake, isn't it, as well? So it's like you don't you can't just be giving it to any Tom Dick and Addy, can you? No, I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, what's your what's your first reaction to this? Because I know we'll go through the reaction of the certain players well, we, and what they I mean, think. First reaction obviously was as soon as anyone's seen it, it's the same as what every single person's thought. Like that's exactly what the PJ Tour's been harping on at live about. Like, no cut. It's not a proper golf tournament. Yeah, 54 holes, no cut was always the issue. That's why you're not getting world ranking. So now what are they saying? Oh, it's only because it's 54 holes. It's like the no cut. You can't really say that anymore. Yeah. No, it's an interesting one, isn't it? And what's interesting about these events is uh, these designated tournaments are going to have higher FedEx points available. And because of the way the world ranking system has, has been changed, the more higher ranked players that play in events... Um, the more opportunity for world ranking is going to be. So these designated events are going to hold the highest FedEx points and they're going to hold the highest world ranking points opportunities. So when you say the criteria to get in them is top 50 of the BMW championships and top 30 in the world rankings as a PJ Tour member, you know, you have to play in them events in order to have any chance really of getting into that category because the points are 
worth a lot more. Yeah. So there'll be less opportunity to get in. We don't know how, many, how much more do we yet? No, no, there's been no... I mean, that'll be a key. That'll be a key reason, a key point, that because ultimately, if the if the points are quite wide range. And so, for example, you get 800 points for a win instead of 600, and you go down to 200 for a win in a non-designated event. Then, you know, you've got to win a, you've got to win four non-designated events. Yeah. We, we spoke about that, didn't we, in the DP World Tour mm-hmm. rankings. You've got to win three or four DP World Tour tournaments to get the same amount of world ranking points as a, as a top PJ Tour event. I say come, like, my first initial thing was, like, come 2025... Yeah, you could probably guess who's going to be playing all them events based on the two-year rolling system with the world ranking and based on the top fifty getting in from the BMW based on the world rankings. Obviously, because they've been collecting the points from the year before, you could already you could already guess the field. And I suppose that goes back to your point. Remember, you, you spoke about if you know who's playing in those events, you can market it and you can get yeah. more players. You can get more. You can advertise it more yeah. and, and get these players. But that was more towards. The guaranteed players playing on the DP World Tour, won't it? I was think we were saying about making a poster and posting it around and getting the people. These players are going to be there. These them, are the like faces the way do with the Scottish and all that. They can yeah. say this is going to be happening. Whereas, like now, they they're necessarily probably going to know, aren't they? Yeah, and there's there's been some comments by certain players. We'll talk about Richard Bland first. Obviously, he's come out and he's made some comments about the strategic alliance and how this impacts the DP World Tour. So. What he said is, how does this help the so-called strategic alliance with the DP World Tour? Uh, the 10 players will have zero chance of getting into these limited fields, making their chances of keeping their playing rights very difficult. It just proves that the DP World Tour has no interest in this alliance. And of course, this is growing the game. Then he said, 20 million, limited field, no cut, sound familiar. So obviously what he's referring to there by the 10 players is what we spoke about in the, the past. The uh, DP World Tour top 10 graduates go over to the... The PJ Tour, Tour, yeah. Yeah. And for the DP World Tour players, and this is what Rory's mentioned, Rory said, I think everybody knows the PJ Tour is the place that you want to play golf. He said... um, Only because the money's there. It's because of the way it's all been. Yeah, it's all all pushed towards it, isn't it? It doesn't mean that they're playing on the best courses in the world. It doesn't mean that it's just the best players are there. That tour has always been the best tour, hasn't it? Most of the best players... An American, yeah, and it's all in America mainly. Well, it's because and it, it feeds through from the college system as well. The college system is set up so well there that you know you're getting the best players in the college systems and the best players graduate and stay on the PJ tour because they're all filters through. It's yeah. all filtered through to be that the main tour. And don't get me wrong, that is the place to play. I just obviously, and we'll discuss it now, just as to how we. Th- feel that this isn't going to impact the European Tour, the European Tour players, what the DP World Tour, sorry, is going to, the position the DP World Tour is going to be in in years to come, if they constantly send those players over there, who comes back in return, if anybody, how does that impact viewing, if the fields are going to be um, basically, over time, they could end up just being like challenge tour tournaments, you know what I mean, if all the top players are going over to America, so Rory went on to say it is what it is. People complain about these 10 cards going to the European Tour players to get on this tour. But if I'm a European Tour player, that's brilliant. He said, I have to be careful what I say here. There's a lot of big fish in a small pond in Europe. Then when you get over here, they find it difficult and they don't like it. And then they go back to what's comfortable. Yeah. Obviously, he's aiming that at a couple of select players who've had a dabble and didn't do too well. But... It's like anything. It's like when you get that five hundred grand and now as a rookie, 
the rookies are going to do better. You give them a PJ Tour season, not just a couple of starts. Like they're going to do better. It's like the more like you know you need a couple. You need to settle in. You need to to change of everything. It's a change of distance. It's a change of like climate. It's a change of food. The change of atmosphere. Everything's complete. You you're not you're away from home. Yeah, you're you're, you're completely in a different location. You probably need a year or two to to settle in. And the traveling part is a big part of it, Massive, isn't it? You know, yeah. you're moving, you're relocating, really, aren't you? Yeah, that's like, it, exactly. Use you and Ferguson as an example because he played so well last season and he probably would have been the ones that maybe would have got a card. I'm not sure exactly whether he would have, but he potentially would have got a yeah. card if it would have been last season. But Ewan, you know, if he moves from Scotland over to America, how long is it going to take him to feel comfortable on the tour, regardless of his ability? You know, he might kick on straight away and play very well and, and do well and get in the designated events and so be it. But, you know, on to Richard Bland's comment, you know, do they need two or three years to get themselves settled on tour? And if they're only playing because the full tournaments have gone now and, you know, eight of these events are now designated events, how many opportunities do they get to play? All right. They're going to be playing for more money, but how often are they going to be playing? And realistically, yeah. Are they going to have be playing for enough points to keep the card? Yeah. Or is it just going to be a rolling 10 come, then 10 go, 10 come, 10 go, one or two might stay? You know, well, that's what's if you can only play certain events and you can't get into the bigger ones, you can't get the or you can get more world ranking points than the DP World Tour, but not massive amounts of world ranking points. It is going to be very hard to sort of keep your card, isn't it? Yeah. Unless you do perform well. And then probably not everyone's going to need a couple of years, but it'd be it's nice to have. That You'd rather fit. have a couple of years and a couple of, of events, wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely. And then what what Richard Bland was saying there about the strategic alliance, like even the word strategic alliance is is a bit like what's that even mean? Like it's it's yeah, it's what what has the DP World Tour benefited from having the strategic alliance? If I'm well, the DP... in the in there, well in the in the PJ tours, as it's we're giving you an opportunity to come and play on the big tour with the big players. Yeah, the players get get that, but what does the tour get? The, the tours and the alliance isn't really... Doesn't, yeah, exactly. Really it's a good opportunity it, it? for players. Yeah, and it's that goes on the to... players, of course, yeah. Yeah, and that goes on to another point that Rory said, which we'll come on to later because it's part of the birdie bogey bus, but I shall just say it now. Say it, just get it out there, get it right out there. Yeah, so it, Rory's coming again. This is me bus, so I'll, we'll come on to it again later, but... He said, instead of trying to think about what's good for the tour, think about what's good for the players that are on that tour. He said, I think that's where people need to sort of reframe their minds a little bit. No, I think you have... need to reframe what you're calling it. It's not a strategic it's alliance. It's not a strategic alliance. Like, the, like, say, for instance, you win a PJ Tour event, you get in the Masters, you win a DP World Tour event. Like, if that's a strategic alliance and I'm the DP World Tour, I'd be saying, right, well, all our players that win, we want into the bigger tournaments. Our players that do that, like if that tour wanted to really look after its players, they'd be fighting or saying a bit to try and get a bit more out of the PJ tour. Yeah. Elevate a few of the events, make the designated events over in the UK or in Europe or somewhere as and well. It's a good point that you make about the major championships as well, because ultimately under this new format that's being filtered, you know, how do you guarantee a spot in the in the PJ? You've got to be a top 100 player in the world. Is it a top 90 player in the world? Get you in yeah. the PJ Championships. You know, top 50 in the world, get in the Masters, get in the US Open, get in the Open. Mm-hmm. Get in. So then there's, so basically you're guaranteeing fields based on world rankings. In the past, world ranking top, top players in the world have come from European Tour. They've come from 
the PJ Tour mainly, but there's been European Tour players that have filtered in based on how they've performed in tournaments. Now, because the top players in the world from next year are all going to be 70, 80 players, are all going to be playing these designated events for the most world ranking points. To break into those top world rankings is going to be even more difficult than it ever was before because the world ranking points are going to be closed off to those events for the to, to earn the top points. So, it's so like, then they're guaranteeing not only that is that field being guaranteed for those designated events and is that field being guaranteed for, you know, um, the, the players and, and the FedEx and things like that, they're, they're also being guaranteed for the majors as well. So you're yeah. guaranteeing this field and it's good to have the best players in the world. You wouldn't want them to miss out, but the old way, they all, nobody missed out. So yeah. I think the only people that miss out are the ones who are maybe 150th, 180th in the world who are probably good enough with the opportunity and with the right opportunity to break into the top 100, then break into the top 50 and get the opportunity to play the majors and then have a career for themselves. But now it just seems as though, the, like what Jason Day has said, it's, it's clearer now more than ever that there's two tiers on the tour. You've got the designated events at the top, non-designated events underneath, and then you've got the DP World Tour and the Corn Ferry that are filtering in to those non-designated to then get into the designated? Well, it's like this week, isn't it? Like, you've got the Arnold Palmer Invitational going on there, elevated event, 3.6 million for the winner, and then you had the Puerto Rico Open, which is still a PJ Tour event, where you get 300 points for winning, where you got 600 for the Arnold Palmer, or you got 500, whichever it was, I can't remember. And then it's like, who's watching it? Who, like, it's not televised. Like, who, not who cares about it, but like, it. it yeah, okay, that player who won, can't remember his name, but he, Colombian guy. Yeah. yeah, he got he got a PGA Tour win, so that that does bring a lot of good stuff with it for and him, the money as well, which is great. But as that is, a, if that's not an an indication of two tours in within one, then I don't know what is because he can't play that other event. But it's like it's like he's playing a non-designated event there, isn't he? Yeah, or it, they all are. Sorry, well, that that's exactly it. In under the new circumstances, and as I say, the schedule's not been announced, so. We don't know whether the designated events are going to be played at the same time as the non-designated events, and they're going to have more free weeks, or are they going to have it separated and scheduled? Well, you'd like to think it'd be at the same time, so then you can play the next one. What so have a non-designated and a designated at the same time? Yeah, because if, if you can't get into it, if it's a limited field of seventy players or eighty players, then there's going to be there's if you're top, you're still ninetieth in the world, or you're you're, you're round and about, you're still. Want to be having a game of golf, don't you? You still want to be in and you're living, yeah. So I then, you, then you want to try and be into the like. So it's it's, it's there's the argument. It's like without they're not even like saying there's two tours. They've made it a million percent. So there's there's two levels to the to the tour. Well, that's it. And Rich Beam said um, he's obviously been positive about the changes, and he said that you know the PJ Tour has always been a, a two tiered system because you know to get into the Masters you've got to win on the PJ Tour to get into the WGC, you have to be top 50 player in the world to get in the players, top 50 player in the world. So there was that tiered system, but now they've just made it clear that there is two levels to the to the golf on the PJ Tour. Now there's, are you in this category of top 30 in the world, top 50 in the FedEx, and you're going to play for the big paces, the big world ranking points, and it's going to be very difficult to get relegated out of that system. I suppose the only difference between what the PJ Tour are doing with that and what Liv are doing is that Liv is basically a closed shop. The only way that you're getting in Liv, because there's only 48 players of that that 
availability. The only way that you're getting in the live events is if somebody gets injured like a Swafford, so it gives an opportunity, or somebody decides to leave for one reason or another, and it, it opens up an opportunity. But you've got 48 players, 12 teams of four now. That is that. That's set. Nobody can come in. Nobody can leave. What the PJ Tour have done is they've allowed a criteria of promotion and relegation, but it's still sort of if you're part of that top, say top 20 in the world, it's very, very difficult for you to get relegated out of that system, even if you'd have a poorish season. Yeah. I was just thinking there, like, obviously, any publicity is good publicity, they say, don't they? So, um, PJ Tour announcing no cuts straight away. Everyone's jumping on it. That's like live. That's the same as live. Yeah, the yeah. same as live. What the PJ Tour is cleverly sort of doing here, I feel, is the making it two tiers. So then, now then, when Liv brings out the second tier, it's almost like they're ahead. They they head to the cave. Ahead of the cave. Yeah. So you've almost got like Liver come out with this idea. Oh, we've got two tiers, and then the PJ Tour like. Well, we're trailblazing that already. That's 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 how we've sort of got it. Yeah, well, the, the PGA Tour as a business are going to look at the live model and they're going to look at what's good about it. Yeah. You know, and, you know, they have got a guaranteed field and I know it's only a three-day event, but you go to that event and you're going to see those players who are at that event as a guaranteed field. They're all going to be there, definitely, obviously pending injuries. Um, and you're going to be able to see them all three days so you can plan when you're going to go, like, for example, at the Open, you went on the Friday, I went on the Saturday, there was a cut, and I never got to see Tiger Woods. Yeah. It was devastating. For, for you, it was amazing. You <laughs> <laughs> you got to go and see Tiger. I never. So you can understand that, that that can be a good model. And like you said, you can, you know, somebody can turn up on a Sunday, and I know they're going to get to see a Ram, regardless of how he's playing. Yeah. And, the likes of a John Ram could have, like, D- when we come on to the players, DJ's a prime example. DJ didn't play that well in the players last season and then had the final round at nine under 63. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can go and, if you were the type of player who wanted to go and watch a DJ, you can go and watch him shoot nine under par. Well, it comes back to the franchise model again, doesn't it? With what Liver doing, like, you're guaranteed you can support talk, you can support the Iron Edge, you can, you've got that team, you know, you're turning up whatever day you get tickets for, you can go and see them. Whereas, Although they're not fully fr- like franchising as as teams, but the individual players, like if as you exactly what you just said, if you want to go and see whoever, you can rock up and go to whatever time and go and find that player and and go and see them because the players have got fan bases. Yeah. So it's in a way, the, as you said, they probably looked at Liv and thought, "Well, that's a great little point that that you can come on the Sunday if if someone a big boys missed the cut, ticket sales are down on the weekend. They've probably got all this analytics, all this data that they've studied." And thought if that keeps, if that gets more people in the gate, more tickets. If if they know for a fact the world's top 10, 20, 30 are all going to be there every day. Yeah, you can. You don't have to take days off work. You don't have to go on a Thursday. You can take the Saturday, Sunday, have a few beers, get and pack the pack the place out. Yeah. No. Listen. There's there's pros and cons to to this announcement. Obviously, the pros are, you know, that you are going to get to see these players. You are going to get to see them playing more often against each other. But then the the cons are, does this then take away? Because obviously if, if that is the cream of the crop and those players are playing week in, week out on that tour, does then that take away how special the majors become? 
And I know the majors will always be the majors, but there's a still sort got of... the history behind the majors and the they're still the majors, aren't they? Yeah, they probably are. the reason why they haven't really followed the women and made five majors is because you're just diluting the the specialness again, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I just, I just, I just worry sometimes that you know, what if you know you you make it this way and then you know golf it's an individual sport. And it would be a lot of bad luck because there is a lot of good players there. But what if a couple of the players start losing form and start playing a certain way? You know what I mean? The model only works if the top players perform. Yeah. Um, and I suppose you have got that strength and depth on the PJ Tour where you're probably never really going to have that situation. But it is a risky, it is a risky model in that sense. You know, the play if if there's all it takes is for one or two events in a row because there's only going to be a short a short number of them. One or two events in a row where the sit the players that you want to see perform don't perform, then you've been blessed and we've well, been lucky can, that you this see, year it hasn't happened. Yeah, and we've you had can amazing see, events. You can, you can see in the live model, look, can't you? Like you want to watch up, you want to see a DJ, you want to see a Cam Smith, you want to see them all do well, and then you go, you turn up this week and like no disrespect, but no one was really probably going there to try and watch Charles Hall win. No, and then someone can come through it and win and that's life changing for them. It's life changing for the for the person. But then as far as drawing the crowds in and what and seeing the, the best players rise to the top, it, it doesn't always happen. Like even like this week at Arnold Palmer, like it's the best players in the world chasing Kitty Armour and it doesn't always come that they're the they they win on the day. Yeah. No, you're right. You know, it's it, it's you know, not everybody's got positive things to say about it. We just look at the likes of James Harney's being Quite strong in his words. I see him going yeah. Mad, yeah. He says, "I hate them." <laughs> I'm going to say exactly what 99.99 percent of fans said about players leaving for the live tour. If our players just said we're doing this for the money, I would have a lot more respect for them. But how they're covering up what they're doing and trying to make it a thing about sponsors and fans and saving opposite field events, I think it's all BS. Right now, they're just covering their ass and saying everything that the PJ Tour basically is training them to say. I've taught them to say and to try and make it not about money when everybody knows 100% it's about more guaranteed money being funneled to the top players in the world. We've been talking about money for the last two years and then for them to not say that that's the number one reason why they're making these changes, it's very, very hypocritical. I know you've, what else you've got as well in the background is if they don't have these bigger events and keep the bigger players then and they don't funnel that money in, then knock, knock. Live could come and they they could be swayed. Yeah, because they tried with the pip, didn't they? You know, there was the pip as well. Like the the, the pip was a, a way of them, you know, sort of testing how to give these players money. But obviously the pip model isn't really working because Tiger didn't play for two years and won it both times. Just by putting a swing video out. Yeah, they increased it from a fifty to a hundred million and giving it to twenty players. Tiger still won. And then next year, it's going back down to the 50 and back down to 10 players, isn't it? Well, that's it. And then the PIP, it brings... Because it's like, did you say they took the social media aspect away, haven't they? They did. I can't remember off the top of my head, but they did, they did change something, They changed they? it, yeah. But then even when the social media thing, Brooks and Bryson, when I've made it, they were all over Twitter, it grows golf. Whereas, like, the aim of the game, what they, they say the aim of the game is to grow the game, isn't it? Yeah. With the Netflix documentary, I've got so many people messaging me about it, like talking and asking me questions and what's this and what's that so it is all growing the game and like then they see them players on the 
Neff the full swing, they follow on Instagram. Then players are busy. The social social media aspect should really be a part of it because it's massive. Yeah. For, mo- be, for yeah. moving the needle, isn't it? Well, it's it's a way to get insight, isn't it? You've just got to look at the reaction from um the likes of Ian Poulter and Lee Westwoods and Richard Bland to these these events. And obviously when Liv was happening, the reaction to the golf media on social media to to certain things. Everybody had an opinion. Everybody had something to say. And like you say, like new, what is it? Not all news is good news, is it? Any yeah, or any publicity is good publicity. There you go. Yeah. So yeah. you know, ultimately, that's what it is. Like golf has grown dramatically in the last two years since COVID. Obviously, helped by the fact that when everybody was in lockdowns, the first sport and exercise you could do was golf. So it helped the sport a lot more. People who wouldn't normally give it a go, gave it a go just because they wanted to get out of the house from these um, lockdown situations and and have some fresh air. So, and, you know, the game is growing. It's just trying to understand from somebody like us who've been passionate about the game for so long, you know, what, is this going to do for the future of golf? Mm. Is it going to make it better? Maybe. Is it going to make it worse? Maybe. We just don't know because it just depends what that next generation of golf is going to be like if we've got these, you know, limited fields where basically those designated events, if we go back to that, is controlling the world rankings, isn't it? Yeah. Because of the way the world rankings is situated, if you've got the top 30 players in the world, playing in those events, they're going to be the events that are going to have the most world ranking points. Mm-hmm. So if you're playing on a DP World Tour with players who are a lot better than the ability of the world ranking showing them and the quality of the golf is still good, but they're only getting 8 to 10 to 15 to 20 world ranking points for each event, there's no way that they're going to earn enough world ranking points to get into the top 50 in the world, to get into the major championships. So that is where I think there needs to be more thought around qualification criteria for the major championships to make the major championships true worldwide worldwide tournaments. One of the one of the positives is how they've changed it again, and like how they changed the alliance, and then they've pumped money in. Lives came along, scared them. They've put more money in. They've changed it. Like you'd like to think, like not with the rules of golf, where it takes thirty years to make a real change. Like they are open to changing it quite quickly. Yeah. So if it isn't working, well, that's brilliant. Yeah. And if it isn't working, and it's you know what people aren't liking it, and it is alienating people, and it's not the model's not working, then surely they'll change it. It's a business, and it's having that entrepreneurial like reaction, isn't it? Like yeah. that, you know. Is this business model the best model it can be? Like what they done with the Swelcom Bridge, where they just changed the back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was another golf media outcry that changed that one. It was unbelievable. Well, that's it though, isn't it? Like, so if if literally, like, if if if, we're, if we can sit here now and predict and, and say, well, that or what that model's doing is in two thousand twenty-five, we're gonna know based on what goes on in two thousand twenty-four, who's gonna be playing all them events, bar five people, like to come two hundred twenty-six. It's gonna get a bit stale, isn't it? Yeah. It's there's no like there's no room for like new superstars to come through or like new chip in a chair people like you like your Ben Curtis entering the open and, and, and qualifying or someone winning and all them all them sorts of fairy tale stories that you love to see. Yeah. Like 
hopefully then they would think about changing it back or, or reinventing it yeah i think you know if this model is working for the tour and you know it's making golf more entertaining then you know keep the model the way it is if if something works i'm not about just saying oh because i don't like it change it you know no, if it works it works but if it works but it's to the ex- expense of the major championships you've always got to protect the majors yeah so change that don't have to change what the pj tour are doing but change the qualifying criteria no definitely you know yeah. make make give more opportunities in a dp world tour for us open qualification or pj championship qualification because the pj championships the one isn't it i think it's the top 100 players in the world get a spot at that so like you're not gonna that's just pj tour players yeah Basically, unless you'd have a season like Ryan Fox, yeah, you know it's it, it's so difficult to get in the top hundred players in the as a top hundred player in the world now because of the way the world ranking system works. Exactly, yeah. So even that on a two year rolling system, come a couple of years if it's if that's not working, like which everyone knows, like all the big players like Ram, Kepka, they've all come out and they're all against the world ranking system. It's a, it's yeah. not a fair reflection of. Who's the best golfers? Yeah. So like that needs to change firstly. And then once that changes, if it goes off the strength of field and actually into wins and performing and other other criteria, then you're gonna then you'd open up the world rankings to be able to change to change the structure of them other events. Yeah. So exactly. really that could do a change in fairs, couldn't it? It could, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like obviously to summarize everything that we've spoke about there, really, you know, as a fan, having the top players play more often. And get to see them for all four days is a good thing, isn't it? Because you're getting to watch the top players compete against each other more often. Obviously, the bad side to that is what that then does to the other tours around the world. Yeah, you know the Asian tour, the the DP World Tour, even the Corn Ferry Tour, which is obviously growing in stature. And as the feeder tours into the European Tour, like the Challenge Tour, you know, if we're constantly losing DP World Tour players every year, you know, what, what does that do to the DP World Tour? Well, yeah, it's 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 dying a death, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. So that's that's not good. But you know, ultimately, it's a change that can be quite exciting. No, of course. But we just need to see what happens. Really interesting that they've they've made these changes, and like as you say, like let's see what comes of it over the next twelve months. Well, eighteen months, twenty-four months, however long it is. Well, however long it is. There's one thing that we do know, it's that time again. It is. It's that time again, y'all. The birdie boogie bust, the birdie boogie bust, birdie boogie bust. I mean, for me, my birdie boogie and me bust is basically what we've just spoken about. I briefly mentioned it before. Me birdie, to start with, is the strategic alliance that's in place with the DP World Tour. The reason it's me birdie is because, I mean, I don't know what the relationship is between them and whether the DP World Tour can go and do certain things with sponsors and get their own type of money in. But ultimately, if DP, if the PGA Tour are making a two-tier golfing system, which is what they've done, and they've made that pretty clear now, we've just spoke about it, the DP World Tour, they can use this as a marketing opportunity to get more sponsorships in, to get more money into the tour and go and do their own strategy. Yeah. That's me, baby. It, but where is the a... PJ Tour selling? Like, you sponsor our event, you're definitely going to get people here on the weekend. The DP World Tour are basically saying, sponsor our event, but the big boys might not play the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's you know, you, 
your golf traditionalists, you know, they do like a four-day event cut on what we've all been used to. The majors are four-day events with cuts. No, I get and it. And that's yeah. not going to change. So the DP World Tour have got no no cut events. They've got no shortened fields. Do you know what I mean? Every event is a full field event with a cut. So I'm just saying, my birdie is the fact that the DP World Tour have got an opportunity here to use that as a market, an opportunity to say that they are the tour that offers that. Yeah, throw that into Pele or whatever then, see what he's, he's going to chat about that. What's your birdie then? So my birdie is Tim Tucker. Ah, Bryson's old caddy. Bryson's old caddy, yeah. So I've since parting ways with Bryson. He started the Loop Golf Transportation, which takes golfers back and forth, like a from the airport into the resorts and that, like a chauffeur service sort of thing. And he's also developed a putting marker called True Aim. Okay. Which is like, it's basically a little square marker that like, it's like got a hex into it, sits right under the ball and it's got lines on it where you can like aim or whatever. But more to the, importantly to that, the reason he, he's my birdie is because obviously he won the Arnold Palmer Invitational with yeah. Bryson. And then he was last week, he was at the Waste Management and he was promoting his True Aim um, new device to, to the players or whatever. And he was speaking to Katie Armour's brother. Yeah. And then Katie Armour was looking for a new caddy. And then they ended up hooking up and getting in touch. And then he obviously bagged for him at the Arnold Palmer again and, and won. Wow. And the, did you obviously, don't know if you've seen the end of it because you were away or whatever, but when he's chatting to him, over the shot on 18 and he's like 215 cents. I don't think I've got that. And he's like, listen, just up the left side, just get it out. That should release, get front edge or whatever we can do up there. Like, and the, the conversation that Kitty Armour had with him and then he went with eight iron and muscled it out the, out the lie, come out hot and ends up getting to the center of the green, which was like, and all the commentators were saying like, it was, it would be lucky to make the a good shot to be front edge. And that's the adrenaline, under that sort of pressure. He's, he's, he's done that. And just having that sort of knowledge and that sort of experience on the bag proper paid dividends. Well, well it's trusting it as well, isn't it? You yeah. know, Tim Tucker's no no slouch on the bag. Is he? he's won majors with with Bryce, and he's he's done pretty much everything as a caddy, and he caddy in the Ryder Cup, etc. So, I think, yeah, you know, having that trust with somebody on the bag that if they're telling you to do something, go yeah, do you know what? He wouldn't it, he yeah. wouldn't steer me down a bad path. It's, it's everything, and it obviously goes back to what we always say, like the. The caddies an integral part of the team, aren't they? Million percent, and even even down to the fact of Kitiyama making a double earlier on the weekend, making a treble on the ninth, where he he knocked it out of, out of town. By an inch. Like even Kit, um, Kitiyama said in his post match uh, interview, post match, post match, man, <laughs> post game tournament warm press conference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kitiyama said in his uh, press conference that. He spoke to Tim and he was like, like we're not out of it. Like we're, we're still in it. And he didn't look at a scoreboard till 14. And when he looked, he was like, We're right back in this one baby. Yeah. And we're and we're back on top. And there was like it was very impressive watching Kitty Armour because like we spoke about last week about the statistics, you know, big numbers will put you out of this tournament pretty quick because yeah. there's not many birdie opportunities at, at Bale. No. So when he ended up birdie in the hardest hole on the course. Yeah. To win by one. To win by one, yeah. Well, exactly. So, But making that, that treble couldn't have come at a better time because he, because he had such a commanding lead. Yeah. I know two shots is two shots, but he was he had a two-shot lead at the time, and that treble bogey, although it's 
like so disheartening for him at that point. You can imagine it's when he puts him one back. Yeah. And people were making bogeys. With nine holes to go. Exactly, yeah. So and with the likes of Tim Tucker on the bag as well, must have helped exactly. tremendously for him. So So yeah, that was why it was me he was my birdie. Very justified. Okay. Um my bogey, the two tiered system within the PJ tour and now makes it even more difficult with the world ranking system. So basically what I've spoke about before, it's me bogey, you know, getting FedEx points uh, are increased at the top events. So it's unlikely that players in, in the middle of the pack trying to get in there, you know, only, only opening it to five spots. It's not a complete closed book, but I just think, you know, everything is weighted it's now towards... It's closing over, isn't it? It's everything's, in. everything's weighted towards those 70, 80 players. When you've got opportunities to get invites, like... These kids are not going to get the invites now, like um, Ludwig has had some invites. He's played really well, finished top 30 this week again. You know what I mean? Number one amateur in the world. It's it's These opportunities are going to be slim now mm-hmm. because it's like you're the best players, or so the world ranking says, you go and play over there in your own events um, and then everybody else try and get up there. Mm, so that's me bogey. It's just, you know, being there's positives and negatives, as I've said, so it's not all doom and gloom there is really good points to be made about this but I just think the world ranking system as we say week in week out just needs to be sorted out reviewed yeah what's your bogey so my bogey is obviously you've got John Ram, Rory and Scheffler and they're passing the world number one batting around aren't they like anyone yeah. who wins gets this it. week they're, they're it again aren't they and like I know Rory like I got off to a bad start and he he's a battler and he, he battled his way into eight under and just coming down the last, he he had 150 odd yards or 165 yards and then he's put it to like 15 foot, 10 foot, whatever. Went right at the pin, which is world number one, as you'd expect. Not world number one, is he? Well, no, but like he's, yeah. he is in, he like he's, he's one of the best players in the world. He will be world number one again very shortly. Whenever he wins again. Well, yeah, even if he comes like second or whatever the players, he probably gets it. It's like, it's, yeah. that's how close the it points, all is yeah. at the minute. So basically him doing that and being in like, in that position as like one of the the, the three at the minute who were, who, were, who were part of it. I don't know if Tiger Woods is in that position when he's like, a, the, he's one of the dominating forces in golf. He doesn't give up that opportunity. He doesn't miss the putt low. Like he, he nails that putt. Yeah. And then the same for Scheffler. Scheffler coming down, he was actually further down there than Rory. He had 144 yards in. Leave, leaves it short, duffs his chip, and then misses the putt. Yeah. So he obviously at that point it wouldn't have been if he'd have finished eight hundred, still wouldn't have got him into a playoff. But he didn't even give him a chance to be on that eight hundred mark. Yeah. And then I just think you know just them two coming down the stretch at that clutch moment, like that's where your your tiger would have stepped up and and made Kitayama at least get into a player for at least after birdie the last and put so much more pressure on Kitty Well, he'd he done it week in, week out, Tiger, didn't he? So it got to a point where his presence, not only did he go and make the birdies, but his presence and what he was doing made players fall off. But that's so, what Rory was done. Rory shot up the leaderboard Yeah, from being two over on the day. Started bogey-bogey, didn't he? Yeah, battle back, yeah. Battle back to get it to two under and then that put was to go three under on the day after that bad start. So he's five under through 16 there. And then he, or he would have been five hundred two sixteen. Rory McIlroy coming through just doesn't give up and gets himself into a playoff. Probably wins it. Like that's what Tiger would have done. Yeah. And I don't know. I just thought the way them two, like Rory missing the putt low, and then Scheffler 
arsing around at the side of the green. It just, it just, yeah. I don't know. I was expecting something a bit more heroic. Heroic. I was thinking yeah. Sheffield was going to sh- chip in here to get it to 900 and then he finishes seven under. Yeah. You're like, oh. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah I don't know. Just anticlimax is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. yeah. No, it's understandable. Yeah. yeah. And just not, they're not built like Tiger, though, are they? You no, know? that's it. Yeah. That's but why yeah. it's getting passed around so much, isn't it? That's it. Yeah. There's no dominant force in golf. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why the PJ Tour have taken this opportunity to think, you know what? There's a group of 15, 20 players there who can win any yeah. day of the week, you know? So whereas if they'd done this type of thing, when Tiger was around, the likelihood is if Tiger's only playing against 70 players, he's probably going to win every week. Isn't he? Well, that's uh, why becomes... they're probably, he's probably eyeing up winning the masters any, because it's a limited field. Yeah. So, but yeah, my bust, I obviously mentioned it earlier as well, didn't I? It's just obviously what um, Rory's saying about the tours, uh, you know, I believe golf is bigger than just one tour that rules them all. Should be. It should be, yeah. So, and I'm not saying that the PGA Tour doesn't have to be the number one tour. I'm just saying it doesn't have to hold all the cards. No, but that's so, how they want it, isn't it? Well, it is, yeah. But, you know, it, it would be good. And we've spoken in the past, haven't we, about the Rolex events on the DP World Tour are really good. And it does bring some of the top players in the world over, which, again, is healthy for the DP World Tour because it allows DP World Tour regular players to play against the best in the world, which is what they want to, to see where they are. But... This strategic alliance should allow for the opportunity of having some of those designated events to take place on the DP World Tour then. No, definitely. But not, but change the criteria to open it up, whereas instead of those five players, or it should be the top 10 in the DP DP World World Tour rankings, and then have five players qualify from the DP World Tour to get in those events. Yeah, not just take them at the end of the season, like give them opportunities throughout the season. Yeah, so you've got eight. find the feet then, can't they? You've got eight designated events, right? I have six in America on the PJ Tour and I have two on the DP World Tour. That's a, that's a real alliance. And then for the two that are on the DP World Tour, the qualifying criteria should be give 20 spots to, you know, players through whatever criteria you want, 10 who were in form and ten who were in the top of the yeah the race um, the DP World Tour rankings yeah and then you know they are getting the opportunities and if they play well for that week on that designated event you know then pot- potentially did they get a PJ Tour card is it a PJ Tour event you know what I mean is that a way for them to get yeah over to the, to the event because I'm not saying well then they get in the Masters as well don't they exactly. if they get a PJ Tour win yeah and it's given more opportunities and then what you'd have is You'd have the well, five. De- yeah, but then you, you that's then you come back to the the PJ Tour actually doing something for the DP World Tour and giving more opportunities, not just snatching. Yeah. So it makes it an alliance. Then it makes it like oh, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. What's it? And then you've got like, and then you've you got over here and yeah, stay there. <laughs> you got five Rolex events, and you'd have two designated events. All right, it's not allowing everybody in the DP World to play those designated events, but it's, it's given more than yeah, exactly, and it's more money on, on that tour as well, and more opportunities for the players who are playing well to play for the bigger cash. Because at the moment, you know, you've got the what used to be the Euro Pro. You qualify for the Euro Pro, you get to the challenge, you qualify for the challenge, you get to the DP World Tour. Now from the DP World Tour, you've got to get to the PJ Tour first tier. And then from the PJ Tour first tier, you've got to get to the designated events tier in order yeah. to get to the top level of golf to pretty much guarantee you play the majors. Yeah. 
whereas it used to be get to the DP World Tour, there's enough world ranking points. You put two or three wins together on the DP World Tour, you're probably going to be top 50 player in the world. You get in the WGCs. That's the way Westwoods, Pulse, and all them done it. Stenson. Back in with Montgomery and all that, like they get to, they're up there high up in the world rankings. Exactly. So going back to Ewan Ferguson, as an example, Ewan Ferguson won two DP World Tour events last season. He's not on the top 100 in the world player. Exactly. You know what I mean? If you give him an opportunity on the PJ Tour, it's well, Marcus Hillikittle won three Challenge Tour events, and then was ninetieth in the world. Tonight, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, so that's it's carrying the same like weight, sort of, isn't it? That's it. Yeah. So, yeah, we we can talk all day about the the world ranking system, but my bust is just you know the way Rory's come out and said you know thinking about what's good for the tour. Stop thinking about what's good for the tour. Start thinking what's good for the players. Yeah, I understand that players have got to get paid, but ultimately the tour determines rankings. So the tour then ultimately looks after the players anyway. So you've got to look after the tour. Yeah. Otherwise, if if that's the case, why are you making these changes to the tour? Exactly. Do you know what I mean? The tour takes care of the players. So they, they go hand in hand. I just thought that that comment was a bit, I don't think it was necessary, really. It's a bit of a dig that didn't need to happen, but there is ways to get that, and that's me bust. What about you? Well, speaking of players not playing, my bust is obviously yesterday. It's a double bust this my Yesterday, obviously, we no one expected them to play, but Target officially pulled out of the players. Yeah. So that was one. And then number two, the defending champion is chatting, watching it in the crowds. Yeah, it and it's Smith, like... Yeah. What? No, it's it. Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? It's a what's shame. happens because yeah, he he, he, he he You're talking about the interview he's just recently yeah, done. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He come out and he said, didn't he, that he's he lives in the area. You know, he's going to watch it on telly. He loves the tournaments. He's loved it from a kid, and he might even go and watch it. So to have the defending champion, would he even be allowed in? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like really, gonna, though? Like I think he should just try and go in and just see what the yeah, just buy a ticket, like just buy a ticket, yeah, then go and get about the place. Yeah. Here's my trophy back, <laughs> two, two, please, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no one, then maybe like here's my trophy, two pints, yeah. But then also, like I, I read an article as well saying that because he's living in Florida now, he's tried to like join like six or whatever golf courses he's applied to them, and they've all said no. So whether wow. like the the PJ Tour of blackball him or something like I read this thing is is Cam Smith being blackballed in Florida because of the live ties? Interesting one. That'd be disgusting behaviour if he did. Like just before we move on to a couple of tournaments to review coming up, Jin Young Ko became the first woman to defend the HSBC Singapore World Championship. Yeah, shot off Nelly Cord. Yeah, yeah, she said didn't hold she? Off Nelly Cord by two shots. So it was her biggest win to date, didn't she? Which well, she was struggling with it and being struggling with her mental health, being struggling with a game. She hasn't really been playing too well and she didn't have her A game this week. And she dug it out the dirt to win. So she's very proud of herself with that. Quality, yeah. So just thought I'd report on that. Oh, definitely, yeah. So obviously the Bale Championship you mentioned there, Kit, Kitty Armour got it over the line, didn't he? He did. His um, first win, he's had a couple of runner-ups. Uh, There's a couple of different story lines going into Sunday went that if Pearson Coody would have finished third he would have got his um, PJ Tour card special yeah. exemption category um, but then there was one story line Cammy Johnson yeah. got disqualified from the tournament podcast he, guest podcast guest Jerry signed for a seven when he got a six so obviously there was a walk and scorer and um, as there always is for the for the shot link and then you know about that don't you I'm, oh yeah Mark, Mark the Marshall <laughs> 
and then a rules official because they were on the clock for, for slow play. So um, he's playing with Nick Hardy and Kyle Westmoreland. They both finished the hole first uh, on the ninth hole and they proceeded to walk up to the 10th. Um, so Kami, you just obviously finished the hole, obviously detailed that he got a six, but the shot scorer and the rules official had him down for a seven. So Camu Johnson's just come out and said that he takes the integrity of the game very seriously. Sorry that it happened. He got a little overwhelmed um, in the moment with the group on the clock and lost count of his, his missed puts from three foot and he'll do better. So we think he, he three putted from like three, the first putt being about three foot. Three putted from there, yeah. So it's understandable, isn't it? You're in a kerfuffle, you're two playing partners. Yeah, you're rushing. Tee, you're rushing round, you're just... You've just missed the three footer, and then you've got to line it up, and they're still waiting on the tee. They've got off, you know. It's yeah, yeah. If you're in a, you know, at the point, I think he was two or three over. I think he finished six off the cut in the end, but at the moment he was two or three over, so pretty close to you know the cut line. If he knocks yeah. that, if he knocks that bogey, put him from three foot, you know, he only needs a solid back nine. He could potentially make the cut. Yeah. It's, it's it means a lot though. So just an interesting one. They obviously DQ'd him. Because of that, which you'd expect, wouldn't you? But disappointing for him, really, because no, it is, yeah. you know it's it's not especially being on a sponsor's invite as well, and then that happening, it doesn't look good for the next time you're going to be invited. Exactly, yeah. But obviously, nobody's questioning Cameo are they? Obviously, you, you, well, you have to listen to our episode with him, and you know he's a genuine stand-up guy, guy and he was nice yeah. as nice as any money. Definitely, and he will do better. So hopefully, we'll see him back on the tour sooner. But obviously, the reason he got us. Um, invite there was because of how well he's doing on the APGA tour. Has a couple of wins there. So he's obviously playing well and wish him luck for the rest of the season. Definitely. Well Kitty Armour was the first person to win that event since nineteen eighty five with a double and a triple on the card. The last person to do that was Fuzzy Zoller. Well do you know what we mentioned this last week, didn't we, about when we done our picks for the Bale, you know, bogey avoidance is key. Yeah. You know, the winners over the past not many birdies. No. So you know, it was not like, a massive total again, though, was it, either, nine under? Well, no, well, Hatton, Kitty Armour, Scheffler and Spieth all led the field in birdies. They had 19 in the week. Um, Rory had 18 birdies in the week, you know what I mean? So, pretty similar to what we spoke about last yeah. week, wasn't it? 17, 18 birdies to, to win the tournament. So, it doesn't give up that many, probably three or four around. So, if you're making a treble bogey and you're making a double bogey... Not ideal. It's not ideal, you know what I mean? Your bogey avoidance is key. And Kitty Armour... He comes second in bogey avoidance with seven bogeys all week. So it was really important that he kept the bogeys off the cart, especially considering the treble and the double. But Harris English led the field in bogey avoidance and he had four bogeys all week. Just he not enough birdies. He went the weekend bogey free around yeah. there, which is unbelievable golf when you think about it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So looking at our picks then, I've obviously done a few stats for our Fancy Golf League review. It's it's in test mode at the moment, so yeah. we've got, got the points here. Obviously, pot one, I picked Cantley, pot two, Harmon, Putnam, and then Gordon. So for Cantley, um, he had 15 birdies in total for the week. He averaged 3.75 birdies per round, which was 21st in total. He finished fourth place in the end, seven under. That gave me 50 points. Uh, Brian Harmon, I did say, Left hand, the troubles down the left, didn't either. He's either going to do well or he's going to come last, and he came last. So <laughs> <laughs> he was plus thirteen for two rounds, so wow. zero points for the week on that one. Uh, Putnam tied thirty fourth for the tournament. He was even for the week. Uh, that gave me fifty points for a made cut. 
he had 17 birdies for the week, so he had enough birdies to challenge in the tournament. But bogey avoidance, yeah, bogey avoidance just wasn't there. And then Gordon, he finished 73, was last after the cut. He had the third round, 84. Will Gordon, but obviously 70 points for making the cut. So I finished on 170 points for the week, which was more than you. Was it? Yeah, yeah. You had three players who finished 39th. And then one player who missed the cut. So John Ram was looking well for you after round one, but he had a disappointing um, second and third round. He shot three over, three over, didn't he, for Friday and Saturday. You got 10 points for him making the cut. Montgomery, again, finished in the same place, 20 points for making the cut. Cole missed the cut. He was eight over for, for his two rounds. And Luke Donald, again, finished one over, 39th. And made the cut so seventy points. Well, that's you. that's just more testament to the statistical approach, isn't it? Because the reason I went for that call was all feels and heart, wasn't it? Because he was the ties to Arnie's place and being a member, his mum with the member, and yeah, and the lessons to the grandson. That's going in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we did say, didn't we? Like you know, the the one poor performer I had. You turned round and said, you've basically just told me I was going to win and I was going to lose the tournament. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it was the case that it was a risky pick in a sense that his stats are telling me that he should be well suited to this course, but he hadn't played the course for three years. Yeah. And, you know, he plays a cut, he's left-handed, you can't miss left round there. And then a proof was in the pudding. Proof was in the pudding, yeah. So, yeah, so I got 170 points, you got 100 points. We're going to open, it's going to be tested again for the players this week, but we're going to send a few messages out to people who've shown an interest and we're going to open it up uh, because it's all set up on the site now and we're going to allow people to get involved and test it with us this week and see how we get on and then we're going to go live for the Masters, aren't we? Yeah. Get it ready and, and pumping for the Masters will be the first event and then we'll get it going for the whole season. Then so look out on the social media pages for the Bogey Boys Fantasy Golf League. Um and check that out for us. I just want to talk quickly about Kitty Armour's route to becoming <laughs> <You're> big. Uh, <laughs> yeah, his big route <laughs> on him. Quadzilla he's called, isn't he? Is he? Yeah. Why? Because uh, why? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that amused me so much. Go on. Right. But why? Because <laughs> he's got massive quads. Anyway, his route is... Massive. Yeah. <laughs> Chicago. Chicago. Chicago High School. <laughs> UNLV. Canadian Tour. What does UNLV mean? Probably United States, Las Vegas. Also. <laughs> yeah. UNLV. University of Las Vegas. Come on. UNLV. Talk, tell me his roots. Start again. Chicago High School. Yeah. University of Las Vegas. Yeah. UNLV. Canadian Tour. Web.com Tour. Asian Tour. Asian Development Tour. Japanese Tour. The PJ Tour of China. The China Tour. The Korean Tour. The European Tour. Q School. Australian Tour. Sunshine Tour. DP World Tour. Corn Ferry Tour. PGA Tour. My fucking point exactly. Wow. You know, there, there's no room for just one tour to rule them all. Yeah. Yeah, but he's done all that, bobbed around, and I'm not going to see him leaving this tour very soon. No, he's not. No, but yeah. his journey to get there has been going around the worldwide tours and gaining that experience. Yeah. So it doesn't mean everybody's got to do that, but ultimately there needs to be tours out there for players to develop on. Yeah, but they've got to be willing to travel. 
This is what you were saying about going back to the DP. You've got like he's been about there, China, Japan, Asia, European tour, web.com, Canadian, Sunshine. He's, the web.com's the corn ferry, though, eh? Yeah, but I mean, all right, then he's in Canada, he's in Asia, he's in Japan, China, he's in South, South Africa, he's in the DP world, which is all about, he's in the corn ferry and he's in the PGA and the Australasian tour. Like he's probably played in most countries there. Mm. 12 tours. He's a one off, isn't he? Quite <laughs> the only one, Quadzilla. <laughs> what a route, eh? Some route. The more you hinder points and hinder money on other tours and send it all to the PJ Tour, the less likely you've got for players like Kitty Armour to, you know. Like if he couldn't be asked doing all that, going all around the world, he had a kid or he had a family, he can't travel, all the circumstances, you don't know what goes on, then. He doesn't win three point six million on the the tour this year. Like, but then if he just comes straight out of college, the fact that he's been on the Web dot com tour and then back on as the Corn Ferry tour just shows you that you know the, the levels that he was at. Because if he'd have went Web dot com PJ tour, he'd have been fine, wouldn't he? Because obviously levels weren't there, so he's travelled round. He's f- found his game. Obviously, the last couple of seasons, his name's been about quite a lot, hasn't it? Well, he won twice in 11 weeks on the DP last year, didn't he? Well, that's what I mean. And then he was finished second on the PJ Tour over the last two or three years, hasn't he? A couple of runner-ups. So been pipped three times by a few big boys, hasn't he? He's been knocking on the door. So, ultimately, this was coming. That's the way to do it, that I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you can be asked. Yeah. You get to see the Anyone world. Anyone like. listening, if you can be asked, that's it. Like, yeah. Right definitely. there. No, I know, yeah. No, but it isn't, you know, all credit to him because he's not getting any younger, is he? So no. now he's, you know, got his life sorted, really, hasn't he? Definitely. Because that win in that event pretty much is going to guarantee him top 50 for the FedEx, would you say? I'd say so, yeah. Especially the form he's playing. He's going to have a, a number of... So, he'd, be up, he'd be high now, wouldn't he, in the FedEx? Yeah, so he, exactly. So he's going to be playing in those designated events next season. So he's going to be playing for the big money with the big world rankings. That is where you want to be as a player right now to earn the big cash to get yourself in all the majors. So he's 20, he's 20 in the side of the top 20 in the world. Yeah. He's sixth in the FedEx. So, you know, that, that win and the way he's played this season so far, that catapults him to a whole new level now. You know, as... He's going to be playing in them shortened fields. He's going to be playing in the players every year. He's going to be playing in all the four majors. Whereas, you know, you've just explained his route there, going around all these different tours. He's only 30 as well. The reason he's going around all these different tours, though, is because he can't schedule himself in. Mm, He can't schedule himself in because he doesn't know what the best route for him is to take. Now that's taken care of because he's there. But, yeah, so very good tournament. Bale, enjoyed it. On to the next one. On to the next one. So, like you say, we did um, with a faux pas, <laughs> a bit premature on the old uh, Kenyan Open, which can be forgiven because we did do a week in Saudi, followed no. by uh, the Bunkered Live Golf Show. Don't know if we mentioned it last week. <laughs> Don't know if we mentioned the ecosystem. The ecosystem, man. Um, every every like, I turned on David Attenborough, and he was chatting about ecosystems. I was like, "Why is he using Mark's word there?" <laughs> It's our word. It's the appear on word. It is. But yeah, no, it is the Kenya Open this week uh, on the DP World Tour. So, you know, if you want to know about that event, tune into last week's episode. <laughs> well, just a brief, a brief one. It's the Muthiaga Golf Club in Nairobi, Kenya, 7,228 yards. Ashton Wu, defending champion. 
a couple of podcast guests playing, Baldwin, Ewan. Boom. Yeah. Get into it. Get into it. Get into the Players' Championship, the most feared hole in golf. It's being advertised as... Is it? 17th at TP Sawgrass. And you can see why, because obviously, again, going on a... It's an iron green. <laughs> no, but obviously the, the stories that have come from the past, but, you know, it's like it's similar to Bay Hill. It doesn't give up that many birdies. 49 of the top 50 in the world teaming up this week. The TPC Sawgrass Stadium, 7,275 yards, past 72. Bit of a beast. Yeah, not not too bad, is it? You mentioned there about Cam Smith on your your, your bust, uh, the top three from last season, all not invited, as well as Harold Varner and DJ, both finished top 10, not permitted to play. So Cam Smith, Arniban, Lahiri, Paul Casey, HV3 and DJ, uh, five of the top 10 players last season. Including the, the winner. You go with further as well. I think Sergio's there and a couple of others. Live. Sergio always plays well there, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah and there's a couple of other live players in the top twenty. A good like another few, three or four. Yeah. All, all obviously not, not there or thereabouts this year because of the old live debacle. Well, that's it. Yeah. Obviously, it was you know looking at Cam Smith's statistics from from last season. He led strokes game putting for the week eleven point five two one was what he gained on the field. Uh, his distance off the tee was 290 yards, he was 20th in that statistic. But his accuracy off the tee, he was last place after the cut. He only had 42.86% of fairways for the week, 24 out of 56 fairways. No way. So it was his, it was his approach to the green where he was fifth, um, gained 6.6 on the field and um, obviously blew everyone away on the putting green. Which he did on most of his tournaments that he won yeah. last season, didn't he? Obviously, an, an amazing putt done the same at St Andrews, didn't he? So, you know, I think off that and looking at the stats of other players who finished in the top ten, you know, you don't have to hit the ball in play as long as you're missing the right places. There is trouble out, out there. Still, seventeen's a prime example. But if you do miss in the right places off the tee, you can still score well round here. Yeah, well, do you know what you've done to obviously it's, it's deemed as one of the trickiest layouts on the tour. And then effective this year is a new black tee on the par five. Ninth could make for the first 600-yard hole in players' championship history if they choose to, to, to use put it, it in play. That's interesting. Probably just see how the, the, the hole plays for the week, won't they? And if, yeah. it's given up, if it's given up easy birdies for the week, which doesn't tend to nine, does it? Nine's quite difficult. Yeah. But um, I suppose we've had a bit of yardage to that, yeah. Or makes a massive bit of difference for going in and two, isn't it? So do you want me to run you through my formula, winning formula for the week? Yes, let's go, yeah. Okay, Tiger Wood said there's a very simple formula here. Hit it good. Yeah, approach into the green. And then strokes gained, tee to green, and shot shaping are your two main things to win round TPC Sawgrass. The 11th and 16th holes require a left to right off the tee, a right to left off the tee, and then a left to right into the green. So you need to play both shapes on, on one hole, which is very un, un, unusual. And then, so five times the winner has been number one in the in the strokes gain category. So that includes Thomas, Rory, and Tiger in, in recent years. 14 of the last 17 champions have been inside the top 10 in the strokes gain category, including four seconds, two-thirds, and two-fifths. So strokes gains massive. And then greens in regulation, only four winners in the last 18 years have been outside the top 20 in this category as well. Yeah. 
and then four winners four winners have led the greens in regulation category and six other finished in the top five so approach play is the key so approach play and strokes gained teeth green uh where i'm basing my picks around yeah no i'm back on that i agree totally yeah is that what you've gone with i've gone something similar yeah i think again it's you know it's not about how good your good shots are. It's about how good your bad shots are around here, isn't it? You've just mm-hmm. mentioned it there, you know, making sure that you minimise your mistakes. So I have gone for the bogey avoidance again um, from a statistic. Looking at bogey avoidance from last year, Casey led the field um, last year with only four bogeys all week. I know he didn't get it over the line, uh, but that was more down to Cam Smith's putting than Paul Casey's play. Cam Smith had 11 bogeys, but obviously had the, had the putter rolling. And the majority of the players in the field in the top ten, they were there because of the less mistakes that they made more than rather than being birdie machines for the week. So I think that is additional to what you're saying. Approaching to the green is is one of the bases of me picking, but uh, putting as well and bogey avoidance is what I've gone for for my picks. Okay, do you want to go first or do you want me to? I'll go first for my pot one. So pot one, I've gone for Max Homer. You know. Is putting this season's been unbelievable. Interesting that, you know. Have you gone for Max Homer? No, but I've wrote a full reason of why to pick Max Homer, but I've I've got I've bought a little thing of why I can't pick him. Well, that's be interesting. So I'll tell yeah. you why I've picked him then. So he's tenth this season for bogey avoidance. He's only had eleven percent of bogeys, sixty six bogeys in five hundred and seventy six holes. So um and he, he's quite accurate. He can shape it both ways. Like he said, he, when he done that interview, he said he likes to play a cut, but he always plays a cut off the, off the tee and plays a cut, but he can play the draw. So mm. his caddy just doesn't allow him to. But, you know, if this course calls for it, he can hit it both ways. And again, under the watchful eye of Phil Kenyon, whenever he's won a tournament, it, it's been down to his putting. So based on how Cam Smith won it last year, if he can get the putter rolling, he's not going to make many mistakes throughout the week. He's going to challenge. Well, when I was looking through my picks, Max Homer was second in strokes gained tee to green, and he's sixth in approach to the green. But then when I was looking at the greens in regulation, he was like 54th yeah. in greens regulation. So he does miss a, a, a good a good amount of greens. So round there, it's not something that you can really do. So me, what I've wrote here, I, didn't, I obviously didn't know your pick was Max yeah, Homer. Yeah. I've actually wrote... I was dying to pick him, but based on the knowledge <laughs> I just give out, I can't pick him. You but he is a solid look. bet. <laughs> so, like, who that, did you go for? I went for Scotty Scheffler. Yeah, he's fifth strokes gained, so he's a one point nine average on the field, and he's first in greens and regulation, in seventy three point six percent. And then he's also he's twelfth in approach to the green, but he's down seven places from last week. So, okay, so, so he was a bit better. high, he was even better, yeah. That chunk on 18 didn't help him then? No, not at all. And he's, he's but the, what an interesting one with Scotty Scheffler is, which is obviously, he'll analyse this himself as well, but he's 100th in strokes game putting, and he's still come fourth this last week, and he had a, chance, a chip to get in the playoff. Yeah. So that just shows you where, if he has a put, if he has a put games, week, yeah. games at, if he has a put week, he's hard to beat. He's hard to beat, yeah. Like yeah. 100th, I couldn't believe it when I, when I read that. Yeah. So that's where I'm going with 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 Scheffler on that one. Yeah. Fifth first, and then he's twelfth, but he's only just come down to twelfth. Yeah, that's fine. Pot two, I've gone for Alex Norrin. As we know, pure iron striker, very very good. Tee to green, forty um, eighth in bogey avoidance this season. He's had sixty eight bogeys in five hundred and four holes. So 
that he really makes he makes those mistakes. But one of the main reasons I went for him is he finished top thirty last year. He has a good tournament there last year, so he yeah. likes he likes the event. And he's eighth in the field for approaches from 125 to 150 yards. And having looked at the course and the length that he hits it off the tee, it's likely he's going to have a lot of clubs in from that yardage. So, you know, if he can get the ball off the tee and put it in the right positions from that position there and how how well he likes the course, I just think he's a good bet this week. No, definitely, yeah. So my pot two is Maverick McNeely. So... 150 to 1 he is on the odds, which I couldn't believe. 151, you're in, you're in pot 2 again, you're still 151. It's massive, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So he's 48th in the FedEx at the minute and he's 70th in the world rankings. So he's not having a, a major season. Yeah. But he's 20th in strokes gained and he's first in strokes gained putting and he's 100% from inside 3 foot and he's 5th in scrambling. Although he is 120th in greens and regulation, the rest of that, the first and the fifth in the scrambling, brings that up. So if he can just get that greens and regulation up a little bit, keep keep everything else where he is, I think he's a solid a solid bet. Yeah, no, strikes the ball a bit better. And, yeah. you know, scrambling, if he does get a bit offline, scrambles. But if he can, yeah. If he can start it in a few more greens with, with the way he puts, then I think he's got a great shot. Mm-hmm. At 150 to 1, worth a punt, isn't it? Definitely. My pot three, Sam Ryder, already secured two top tens this season. So, from a form perspective, he's doing well. He's fourth for the season in scrambling. Um, he's second in total putting. So, strong short game. And he's fifth in strokes game putting. So, I've gone on this based on um, his, his form up to date and yeah. how well he is in and around the greens and is putting and as you say this golf course you are going to have to you are going to get yourself out of position at times and you are going to have to scramble well so i think you know if he can show the form that he showed early this season to get those two top 10s and he can scramble well when he does get himself out of position i think he's a solid pick at pot 3 no definitely so my pot 3 is nick taylor He's 73rd in the world, so he's three places behind Maverick McNeely in the world, but he's 21st in the FedEx this year, and he's 225 to 1, so he's a good bit outside what what McNeely is, but obviously he's having a better season. He's 17th in strokes gained. He's 39th in approach to the green, and then he's 112th again, like just like uh, McNeely, 112th in greens in regulation, but just like McNeely is putting, he's 10th in putting, and he's seventh in putts per round. So again, it's another one of them sharpening up the iron play a little bit. And they've all got, got it in them, haven't they? They've percent. all got it in them like, to just have that week like, where that, it clicks and he's playing well this season. That he? percentage, he's 112th and like McNeely, he's 120th. The 66.9 and 66.6. So, and number one, which was John Ram, I think he's only 76 point something. So you're not talking about hitting a massive amount of greens more. It's probably two or three. Yeah, and and you and you right back up that extra ten yeah. percent. And these greens are a little smaller, aren't they? So it's about proximity to the to the hole as well from yeah. a TPC sawgrass because they can be tricky when you get on the green. So million percent having a good putter in your picks is, is vital, isn't it? Well, that's why them two of like they weren't in the greens and regulation, but they were both inside the top twenty in strokes gained. And that thing said that the the article I read said that the winner hasn't came from outside that the top twenty in the last yeah. eighteen years. Interesting. So, Pot 4, I've gone for this guy for two reasons. One, because just the way he was having a go at everyone um, on the 
on the new PJ Tour scheduling. So I'm thinking a bit of controversy this week. So there'll be a bit of light challenge. So he's going to try and go out and prove a point. So a bit of motivation there. It's James Hahn. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but also, as well as that, there's some stats to back that up. So his strokes gained approach to the green. He's 29th for the season. So 10.419 that he's gained there. And he's 65th in greens and regulation for the season. So just under 70% of greens and regulation. He's at 320 out of 468. What number is he? 65th. And see what I mean? So 66 is taking you outside the top 112, whereas that, you know, like, it's not that big of a no, no. percentage, is no, it, to get it up? No, no, Yeah. So, yeah, I, th- I just think, you know, he's got a bit of motivation there because he has been very vocal and had some strong words to say, as we mentioned earlier on the pod, about, you know, his thoughts on this new PJ Tour schedule. And the, the light is going to be shone on him, you'd expect. Um, well, you'd be disappointed if he didn't mention what what he'd said. Well, especially if he starts doing well. And- yeah, but you know the stats back on what, what we spoke about there: the greens and regulation. You know, nearly seventy percent in greens and regulation for the season for a forty-one-year-old. He's won twice on tour, so yeah. you know, as a forty-one-year-old, only winning twice. Don't expect them to go out there and win the players, but you know, if he can make a cut and get well, those seventy in, points, in par four, isn't it? exactly. Like, that's, yeah, that's the whole thing, isn't it? Who's your par four pick? So I've gone for your man from last week. Have you? Yeah. Yeah. Will Gordon. Yeah. 400 to 1. Yeah. He is. So he's only had one top 10. He's 64 from the FedEx, 129th in the world. He's 71st strokes gained, but he's fell 24 places this week. Oh, because of that 84 and exactly. Ranfley, then he had an so he was smelly four, one. He was 47. So he's inside the top 50 strokes gained, which obviously it doesn't lead to the statistic that's going to win. I think I said top 20 on that last pick, but it's top 10. Yeah, uh, that the, the category where the winner comes from, but pop four, you're not really looking to win, are you? No. He's 61st in strokes gained approach, but he's got a couple of interesting um, statistics. He's eighth in total driving, and he's seventh in greens in regulation, 71.9. 71.9. So what lets him down massively is his putting. He's 164th in puts per round, and he's 121st in strokes gained putting. So obviously that's why he's in pop four, but. He drives the ball well, and he's and he he's quite mediocre in the other two categories, which is not bad for you. Four hundred to one, yeah, not definitely. So that's, that's, I've got full stats this week. I've I've had a good go there. After Cole letting you down, <laughs> Cole's in me because whether I thought he's your first miss cut. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I took a risk by going for Harmon last week. I won't make that mistake again. Interesting, obviously, always an amazing tournament, this one, isn't it? Oh, so it's, 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 a, it's, the, it's the big lead-up, isn't it? It is, yeah. This big is Tony. It. This is it. Now, the big the big start of the season. We've got a lot of the swings coming to an end now, um, isn't it? So, you know, then it's the build-up to the big one, the Masters. So, yeah, let's, um, let's see how they all get on. Obviously, hope you've enjoyed... Listening to this week's pod, um, and all that's left to say is enjoy the golf this week. Ciao.